welcome to Tech Talk Podcast, Episode 3. Um, this is our regular podcast to talk about the power industry and technologies, challenges in the sector and all that kind of good stuff. So today I'm joined by two guests. We've got Paul Richardson, uh, Director of Engineering at NM Group, and Andy Hewitt, our Senior Client Manager also at NM Group. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Sam. And so today we're going to talk about dynamic thermal ratings or DTR. I think probably a good place to start here would actually be to just get someone to define what it is. So, uh, Paul, do you want to do you want to talk to what dynamic thermal ratings actually is? Dynamic thermal ratings. Okay, so probably probably easier to describe dynamic thermal ratings by what it isn't. So. Um, a, a dynamic thermal rating is, is something that isn't a completely fixed point. It's not a fixed rating that is used for a transmission line for, for, for eternity. That is, you know, the, the transmission line is, is created. It's assigned a fixed rating, that rating being um, a number of amps that, that can flow down that line. And that being remaining the same, you know, until that line is... Uh, is decommissioned. Um, so, it, a, a dynamic rating is it means that it fluctuates. Now, there's a number of different ways that 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 dynamism can be introduced. So, lots of lots of utilities will say they use what's called uh, static seasonally adjusted ratings. So, those static seasonally adjusted ratings will be based upon a maybe a, a, a a worst case summer condition, a worst case spring autumn condition, and a worst case winter condition. Um, so those will typically you'll 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 have uh, higher ratings in the winter, average ratings in the in the spring and fall, and then in the summer you'll have you'll have smaller ratings because the temperature is hotter. It means that um, you can put less energy down that line before it reaches the thermal limit which is going to be something like you know a, a power line that's able to run at 75 degrees c so you're already moving moving toward the realms of dynamic ratings i mean it's not particularly dynamic you've got three different ratings throughout the year so that yeah. brings in the question well why not do it more frequently so there's again there's numbers of utilities that, that do do it more frequently. For example, I know in, 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 um, in Tasmania, they, um, they have a monthly diurnal rating. So they have, a, they have a, for each month, they have a rating for daytime and a rating for nighttime. And that seems, you know, perfectly manageable. So, you know, maybe that's an approach that, uh, that could be adopted. And, and if, if there's a great deal of variability in, that locality's climate, then I would suggest that that's something that certainly should be adopted. But why not more frequently still? So why not have it on a daily basis or hourly basis or 15 minutes or completely real time? Um, and, and, and all of these approaches are, are absolutely um, achievable. You know, we just need a, a system that can, um, can make those ratings available uh, in a, in a um, Controlled manner. Absolutely makes sense. Let me ask you a question before we move to another 
part of that. Um, so this will be regional, I imagine. So how does it differ to, you know, like in the UK versus um, the States? How do you see differences in, in how people determine uh, ratings? Well, um, one of the differences that you see, well, you see the state is a big place. Yeah, it's a big place. In, in, some, in, in some parts of the US, in some parts of the US, what, what happens there is that their biggest, um, their biggest demand is during the summer months where air conditioning comes into, into a yeah. lot of usage. And also their biggest constraint on flow of energy is in the summer months. So to some extent, I can see the logic that in, in the US, particularly in the, in the, in the Sun Belt, <sighs> our, you know, our worst case is it is in the summer. Yeah. And our highest demand is in the summer. So do we really need, you know, more cases? But there's, there's lots of other places where, yeah. where, you know, where that's absolutely not the case. So in the UK, um, our highest demand is in the winter. Our highest um, um, availability is in the winter. So we can mesh those together. Our lowest demand is in the summer. Our lowest availability is in the summer. So those work really well for the UK. Okay. Other countries will be in, in a similar boat or you know, somewhere in between the two. Plenty of variabilities I'm, I'm taking from Tons that. Of it, yeah. But yeah, um, we've talked about what dynamic thermal ratings is and what it isn't. Why is it important? What's the, you know, why does this matter? All right, so so why this is important is because if we just look at, this is an example of static seasonally adjusted ratings. So we can see on there that those are static seasonally adjusted ratings. They are, the, the, um, they are showing a rating of a thousand amps for um, winter before the, 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 the power line reaches its thermal limit of 75 degrees C. 850 amps for summer before the again before the power line reaches its thermal limit of 75 degrees C. And in the spring and autumn, it's 925 amps. So we can see that that steps up and down. But if we look in that a little more detail, if you look in the winter, we can see in the winter there's a lot of variability. And we can see that for most, for the vast majority, we're not getting anywhere near that 75 degrees C. So we can put a lot more power down the line. Again, if we just look at a zoom up in the summer, for the, it's even more marked in the summer that we can see that for the vast majority of the time, we're not getting anywhere near that, um, that limiting threshold. The really interesting bit is if we go down to even more detail, and this is, I think this is just taking like a 36 hour period, and in this 36-hour period, again, we can see the vast majority of the time we have massively underused capacity. Yeah, absolutely. But really interestingly, there are a couple of cases where we're actually um, utilising more than the available uh, capacity on that line. So it's... <clears throat> We want to be able to avoid both of those bad things. We want to be able to avoid um, islanding capacity on our network. So we, can, we don't want to have latent capacity on our network that we're not able to, 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 to use. And also, we don't want to um, have the opposite occur, that there'll be a safety issue that we, we're just not aware of. And we end up um, 
we end up overloading our circuit. Uh, absolutely, I mean, it highlights the challenge that um, operators have. Absolutely. So, um, Andy, uh, if we could ask you a question, and what go for it. What are the approaches? How, how could this be solved? What, what, how are people looking at trying to fix the challenge or what we solve the challenge? So, lots of different utilities do it all in different ways. Um, some take the approach of kind of trying to measure the real time temperatures of the power conductors. Some of them are looking at measuring tension to kind of give an indication of temperature or sag. Um, some of them measure the sag directly. Um, all these approaches are good, they give you real empirical data to kind of look at those um, pinch points. But you need to buy the equipment. You need to, you need to install equipment on the lines in the spans. Um, and, and first of all, you need, you need to work out which spans to put the equipment on. So it's, it's a real challenge trying to, trying to kind of work out where those, where those pinch points are. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then being able to kind of put that capital expense onto the lines Put the put put it there for a long enough time to monitor to to make sure that that's kind of um, yeah sufficient level exactly. of data yeah yeah, yeah. Um, one of those more widely used is there like a, a leading direct measurement tool or is it um, are they, there's lots of lots of ways of skinning a cat in this instance <laughs> yeah there's a there's a, a a wide variety of different kind of companies out there with different kinds of equipment techniques. Um, so, I guess one of the things that we, we've kind of approached um, kind of more recently is instead, instead of kind of putting out equipment on these lines or, or maybe before putting equipment out on these lines, um, is to start looking at ways of how do we assess the network for those constraints. So, what we've done in the past is some kind of studies on kind of specific areas of network where utilities have uh, potential issues. Um, looking at the the load flows, looking at the the weather conditions, and the kind of electrical infrastructure that uh, kind of sits there. So, pulling the PLS CAD models, making sure we've got all the kind of electromechanical properties in there, um, and then kind of making sure that we can use the uh, a, a weather source from from the local area to try and understand the kind of weather patterns, the wind flows, the kind of seasonality. Um, to all to try and sort of pick out those critical spans. Which, which ones on the spans are the kind of the usual suspects? Which ones are causing your line to hit the thermal limit the majority of the time, or, or even some of the time? Those, those are the ones that are kind of good candidates for monitoring equipment. Um, so, so just to get this right, this is a hands-off approach. This is no, this is you know monitoring with remote sensing and and, and analytics and, and that kind of thing. There's no measure, measuring of the line. There's no uh, you know, infrared going on here. This is totally hands off. The, the measurement on the line's been done beforehand. So the the information that, that informs us about the clearance performance of the line, that's all been done previously. That information is is loaded into the the uh, the the the, um, the TCMS model. Uh, so that TCMS model knows already already knows what where the limiting spans are. So if the if the circuit is limited at 75 degrees C, it knows that maybe these these 10% of spans are limited at only a 75 degrees C, whereas the remaining you know 90% have significant headroom above that. Also knows um, 
that when the weather data is taken into account so we're going to be able to get you know readily available weather data it also knows the relationship between that weather data and the geography of the power line i mean in the, the most um, largest two issues there i guess to do with um elevation and also orientation to the to the uh to the to the wind direction so obviously if this span is at 90 degrees to the to the wind it's going to have a significantly more cooling effect than if the span is at, at zero degrees to the, to the wind so that's what that's what tcms really brings to, brings to the table i'd like to just if i if i may touch on a, a, a third approach that seems to absolutely bring the best of both worlds so i know andy mentioned that one of the issues with um with the the, the, the kit-led approach fantastic bit of equipment very accurate and um and, and and will do what they're meant to do but the first thing we need to know is where should these things be cited where have we got our problems hmm. so the tcms approach will will identify these usual suspects and will, will flag to us that on this on these on this particular network it's this five spans where we we keep seeing seeing issues so why don't we put some equipment on those spans and let the rest of the network be be modeled using tcms and now you've got now what you've got is um you've got a virtuous circle because now what we've got is we can identify the usual suspects using tcms to place the equipment and then we can use the equipment to verify the accuracy and the validity of what's coming out of our tcms you know so it, you know one hand washes the other it's all all works pretty well sounds good to me let me just um because you slipped in tcms in there just just to clarify tcms would be the um the, the, the solution you were describing andy so the non-use of direct measurement tools you've got a direct measurement approach and what you've just described then paul is a hybrid or a you know a, a combination approach where you can use the two together to get a what's the right word a synergy or you know a, yeah, a, a, yeah exactly perfect okay symbiotic i like it okay good so i mean that all makes total sense to me why is why is this still a, a thing being discussed you know i've been to a number of innovation conferences over the last few years and there always seems to be a, a discussion or a talk on dynamic thermal ratings is I there a reason to say this uh, but normally when, when i'm never sure whether i should say things i normally say them anyway i think there's a, you know i think there's a lot of not invented here because each utility has their own approach that they've been using for years and they think you know our approach is good it works well and you know as we can see by you know by the graphs that i put up earlier most of the time if we're looking for a very conservative way of of, um, of, of operating our systems they do work well they work very well i mean the, the, and and if we if we're going to look at you know how particularly transmission networks traditionally have operated then these are bulk transfers of energy from known sources of supply to known centers of demand with pretty well understood scheduling so we know when the 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 peaks are, are, are going to be and and that's that's kind of the world that we we we've all come from we we kind of take an uncomfortable steps into a different world now where 
um, sources of supply are, are, are manifold. The sources of supply could, could come from, it's no longer unidirectional power flows. We have multiple sources of supply, multiple sources of demand, multiple centers of demand, sorry. Um, so it becomes a lot more difficult to be able to take these um, tried and tested methodologies and, and, and apply those to our networks. Another way is that some utilities have, have, have said, okay, I can, I can see that this span, one of those, this circuit or whatever, is going to be, is, is likely to be stressed maybe tomorrow or two days' time. Let's look at if we can take some approach to look at the predicted weather data for that time and see if we can we can we can take a, a, an exception and, and increase the the allowable um, capacity and, and again that's a that's a cracking approach and it's worked really well in the past my concern with that approach now is are is it really fleet-footed enough to be able to, to deal with the the changing patterns of supply demand <laughs> generation uh, no I, I see your point and um I mean, Andy, do you, let me ask you a question. Do you see this more as something which needs to be solved in transmission or distribution networks, or is it, you know, is it is it for both? Do you, I think, do you think there's going to be a big difference between the two in the way that the two networks work in the future? Sorry, Andy, to jump in there, but go on, go go for it. Go on. No, I, ju I just, it, 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 I mean, yes, I, at the, right now, the things that I've described are certainly more. They manifest themselves more on the distribution networks than they do on the transmission. I, d I just don't see that that's going to hold true in in the future. I, I, you know, we've not even talked about uh, peer to peer energy trading yet. <laughs> I, I know mean, you, you like to, did you? <laughs> it might be. A... You know, it's it's completely it's it's. It, I think it's a changed picture. Certainly, yeah. massively affecting the, the distribution networks, but. I, I, I see that. I see that. Um, that'll then move on towards a transmission network too. Well, I, I hear what you say, Andy. Any uh, any final final thoughts on that? No, I, I think I agree with Paul. I think right now it's it's mainly a kind of a, a big issue in the distribution with all the kind of new kind of embedded generation and, and that kind of thing. EV cars, big big charging stations. It's all kind of really shaking up the way the kind of the demands and supply is kind of happening. So, yeah, watch this space. Watch this space. All right. Well, I think that uh, I think that wraps it up. So, guys, thank you for your time. Um, pleasure as always. Good to talk through the topic. And I think if anyone listening is interested in discussing this further, they want to talk about um, our TCMS system or indeed the hybrid approach we discussed, I would encourage you to get in touch. Um, you can contact us at www.nmgroup.com. Um, visit the website and you can you can find our details there um, and that, that ends episode three podcast thank you for listening cheers thanks cheers everyone cheers. thanks a lot